Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Sodder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since Tuesday. We had a fantastic show on Tuesday. Everything you could want in a program. Perfect dialogue. Great guests. Unbelievable flow. The show keeps evolving, and it keeps getting bigger and better than ever. Uh, we just celebrated episode 250 the other day. Uh, real big accomplishment. Very honored. Um, you know, obviously, there uh, is a lot going on, guys. A lot, a lot going on. And as usual, I just want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You are all absolutely just spectacular. Uh, we're listened to in 25 countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, thenextnexgengenusa.com. Everybody, the weekend is approaching. Always a great feeling, uh, huge relief, especially after these long, long, hectic weeks. Um, I hope wherever you are, um, your day is going accordingly. I hope it's going well. I hope it's productive. I hope you're getting a lot done, you know, especially uh, since we're all quarantined. We're all stuck indoors. So now is the time, you know, to uh, really, um, I mean, whatever you had, you had on the, you know, on the side or on the back burner or things you had on hold, you know, pursue those, man. Get out there. Make it happen. Take action. You know, um, we don't know when the everyday, um, you know, situation for the economy is going to be you know, uh, back and running. I mean, there's speculation, you know, there, there's certain, you know, guesses and, and, and what we'd like to see. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have those exact, um, you know, just numbers. I mean, it's, it's really at this point, I, I hope Easter, you know, we, we see President Trump uh, saying, you know, that uh, that's, that's a good goal. That's realistic. It's, it's reasonable. So um, I, I'm praying, I, you know, I, I, I have a lot of, a lot of hope and I have nothing Nothing but great and amazing confidence in this president. Uh, he's never let me down. So, uh, you know, he, he's the guy that uh, you want uh, at the center taking care of all the business. It's, for, it's so true. Um, as everybody knows, I will be starting on Salem Radio Network, one of the biggest political, net, political networks in America, if not the biggest. Um, you got people like Sean Hannity, uh, people like Mark Levin, uh, people like Hugh Hewitt, Sebastian Gorka, Larry Elder, all do their shows on there. Um, you know, and by the way, it, it'll be, uh, to be exact, it'll be the second week in April. So the second Sunday in April, Sunday, 7 o'clock, uh, you'll be tuning in all across the nation, I'm sure. Um, you know, but it's just a, you know, just a blessing, you know, this, uh, this, this whole uh, moving to the next level and, uh, you know, really um, just what we've done, you know, I'm just beyond proud. You know, the, the words can't even describe. Okay, guys, um, I, I do want to welcome. Oh, I also want to say um, I won't be having a lot of announcements coming up. Uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, as everybody knows, I've been working on a lot of different things. Um, you know, there's been a lot of different things in the works, a lot of things on the table, a lot of things, you know, um, that, yeah, it's um, probably in the next couple of days or so. Um, probably Tuesday, Tuesday show, you'll hear, hear more about it. But I want to welcome right now, I believe he's with us. Um, and everybody, I, 
I can't believe um, just how I'm seeing how everybody's really coming together uh, through this entire epidemic. You know, I mean, people are talking. It's, it's crazy what's going on. I mean, you have all these strangers interacting over video for the, for the very first time. You got all these people doing all these different activities, all these different trends, you know, keeping themselves busy, kind of, you know, making it um, less fearful for others by, you know, encouraging and, and really having, having each other's backs. I, I've seen, I've really seen Americans unite. Um, it doesn't matter political party. We all want to get to the bottom of this. We all want to figure this out. And, you know, this is, this is headline news uh, for the last couple weeks or months. I mean, we, there's been really no other news. This is all we hear about on a daily basis. Uh, let's welcome U.S. Congressional candidate from Arizona, a good friend of mine, uh, be, become very close to the show. He brings great value and such a huge asset, uh, Josh Barnett, running for Congress. Uh, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Rory? Thanks for having me on, man. A lot of Absolutely. Stuff Always about. a pleasure. Tonight. Sorry, say it again? No, I said we got a lot to talk about tonight. <laughs> so. Absolutely, my friend. We're going to make it happen. We're going to do it. This is, it's going to be a fun show. I can't wait. A lot, a lot of my uh, venting, you know, is, is going, to, going to occur, going to transpire. I'm uh, pretty frustrated with various subjects, and I know you are too. I've seen some of your posts, and uh, you and I communicate through the, throughout the day, and uh, we understand each other. Yes, definitely. There's, there's definitely, a, like I said, there's, there's a lot of odd things happening, and, and you know, we got to wait for a few things to come to light to see what's going on for sure, but um, we'll know here in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, my friend. Well, um, so happy to have you here, and um, it's uh, definitely will uh, look forward to uh, hearing what you have to say. For having me again. One hundred percent. Thank you. Um, I want to go to. I believe he's with us. A political operative and activist, doing a lot of big things right now. Doing a lot of different reform and, and, and different, you know, events on college campuses, really trying to turn that around. Uh, Corey Jones, what's up, buddy? Hey, Rory, how are you, man? Doing well, man. How are you, man? I, you know, I, I, I've missed you, man. I love, love talking to you. You, you always uh, really are a, a huge source of information, I'll tell you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's been a, it's been great getting back on the show. I know, um, you know, I've been pretty busy the last cut, last two months really. I was somewhat of a regular last fall, um, but but I wanted to say in your opening uh, monologue just a second ago, uh, you were talking about the weekend, you know, and, and how everyone needs to take a break, have fun. Well, that would apply generally, Rory, but I mean, it seems like right. everyone's just been on an extended weekend the past couple of weeks, so no one's done nothing but a vacation, work. right? <laughs> Nothing but a vacation, so yeah, but I hope everyone's doing well, so thanks for having me back on. Absolutely, Corey. Well, I always love, you know, having you with us, so a lot to get into tonight. Um, Definitely, it's headline after headline, so uh, glad you could join us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, Let's also welcome to the show, I believe he's with us, writer and speaker, Sam, Sam Tully. How are you, my friend? Hey, Roy, doing just great uh, with this social distancing as it is. <laughs> One thing I about social you, distancing, it's crazy. It's, they, you're in California. You're in the. I mean, you got you got that cocaine head, that whack job Newsom making all these, you know, radical decisions. I mean, I, that guy really bothers me. You know, the only good thing about well, there's two good things about this social distancing. A, 
uh, it makes families spend time together. And B, right. uh, driving on the street, there's nobody in your way. Absolutely. Well, that's true, man. I'm dr- and get, look at gas prices. I can't even believe gas prices at this point. The roads, like when I, on a daily basis in Arizona, you always have people constantly. There's millions of people here. But it's like, it's like ghost towns, man. It's absolutely insane. Oh, yeah, the gas prices are down dramatically. Uh, I couldn't believe it. It was down at least a dollar from about a week ago in my part of California. And like I said, the roads are wide open. So if somebody got some place to go, now is the time to go. <laughs> 100%. And, and Sam, uh, you always bring great value to the show. Thank you for joining us. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing your opinions and uh, on, on obviously the wide variety of headlines that we will be addressing tonight. Yeah, let's do it. All righty, buddy. All righty. So, everybody, it's time. Uh, the Rory Rants, actually, I've never even gave it a label or a name, but now I am. Rory Rants, I mean, it, this, this, is, this is how the opening usually goes. Um, you know, what we're going to do, as, um, as always, we're going to, I'm going to go through the small stuff, going to, you know, touch, uh, just kind of shine light and kind of uh, address uh, various things that, we, you know, we're not really so... Uh, focused on or hearing about because we're so distracted with Corona. And then obviously the main thing tonight will be the Corona headline. There's so many different articles and, and, and um, uh, narratives that I want to go in terms of, you know, uh, the, so much. I mean, the, the Corona thing, it, it's constantly taking up my newsfeed. I mean, it's, you, you can't get enough. I've never seen anything like this. I never have. I mean, not that, like, the, I'm talking about the hysteria. Talking about the unnecessary drama. I'm talking about all these people that, you know, think the apocalypse is coming. It's insane. Okay. Uh, here we go. So I am going to start with, with this. So the DNC, you know, and, and they're a mess. I mean, these people, uh, no ethics, no morals, totally unrealistic. I mean, it, they've t- taken their party so far left into Venezuela territory, communism, that uh, you know, there, there's no middle ground anymore. There, there, there's no voice of reason. There, there's nobody, you know, that is, is putting America first. It's all third world country and, and putting illegals before their own, our own citizens. And, you know, we just see how it's been hijacked. I mean, the DNC, and I've never really been a fan of the Democrats, but I always say on my show, at least they were at one point a party of substance. You know, Bill Clinton years, you know, there were some good things that went on, even though I do not like Bill Clinton as a person. Uh, his administration got some good stuff done. You, you know, the economy was pretty good back then. Um, JFK uh, definitely would be a Republican in today's society. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he only ran as a Democrat, obviously, because it was Massachusetts. And he was probably more than a moderate. I mean, he was pretty much a Republican even back then. Um, you know, he, and he got along so well with um, every side of the aisle, and you know what, we, we see how the, the political realm in this industry, especially on the left, has come to wins and losses. They, they don't necessarily care about, you know, doing what's proper or what's going to help the everyday citizen. They care about whether they give Trump a victory or not, or they care if they're going to get the win, regardless of the political stance. It could be the most ludicrous bill on earth. 
But if they get credit for it, if they actually, you know, get that recognition, that's all they care about. And I'm not saying all Republicans are angels. We have a lot of dipshit Republicans that do not belong in our party. And I'm getting sick of it. And I'm seeing a lot of rhinos. And I, you know, people message me and, and send me all this weird shit on whether, whatever social media platform, you know, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, and, and, and it's like they try to call themselves conservatives, but what they're saying is the total opposite. And, you know, it's just it's so much petty shit out there. I, I think people really need to reevaluate certain things about their identity and, and you know, what, what, who they really are. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too off topic. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the whole people sending me random messages is a separate matter, but these politicians – um, I've never seen hostility. I've never seen division. I've never seen a situation like this ever in D.C. All of a sudden, when Trump got elected, the Democrats became more – I mean, you can't make this up. They became more extreme, more radical, uh, more divisive than you, – you, could, you couldn't even write something like this. And you know why they're doing it? It's because for the first time in history, you have a president that is not controlled. He makes all his own decisions. He's self-funded. In all these usual past presidencies, you have these presidents who are compromised, who are owned, who are controlled, who are polished, who are basically told what to do, and they will, you know, suck up and, and coddle and flock uh, to, to these ridiculous globalist self-interest uh, legislations. True. It's very true. Look at some of the shit Bush did. I mean, Bush was an idiot on half the things he did. I mean, I've always been a Republican, but I, Bush was in a lot of ways a rhino. I mean, he did a few good things, but we go back and look at what he got us into, uh, you know, the Iraq war, the Afghan war, very debatable, very debatable. I mean, even Trump said, not a good idea, not a good idea, um, you know, and, and I don't, like, I hate getting off topic, but when I mention all these different things, it leads me on to the, all these other areas, but don't ever forget about war, how it makes the gov- these people so much money. You know how much politicians have, have in war? And that's the problem. These politicians go to Washington to work for themselves. They put money in war. They put money in the stock market. They put money in all this different shit, and they think they're above everybody else. In reality, they kind of are, because look at everything they've gotten away with. Do you think Richard Burr is the first person to do insider trading? Absolutely not. Uh, D.C., I would say 80% know ahead of time what's going to happen because they have the first-hand knowledge. They get the, that word from closed doors from the donors. The, the politicians are in bed, are so involved with Wall Street, it's not even funny. And they're always talking about tackling Wall Street until Wall Street comes to them with a bunch of money and says, well, here, here, here you go. And then they're like, oh, okay, we're not going to fight against you anymore. It, dude, it's, it's all a money game. It's a money game. Simple. Simple, simple, simple. You know, these, these people, they are um, they're mutants. They're animals. They're sloths. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 what I wanted to say here, I got on this whole DNC Democrat ramp, but they're planning to still have their convention. After all this corona thing, you know, they, they say they care about the people so much. And, you know, quite frankly – uh, the, the, the convention is a far, far ways away. But just the fact that they would make the statement 
uh, of this sort of ignorance and be this insensitive, uh, insensitive at a time that everybody's struggling and everybody's in fear. I mean, they're making this a purely political. I mean, the, the Republicans aren't going out there and announcing anything about it. We're just living in the moment. You know, the, the, the convention for the Republicans will probably happen, but we don't feel the need to go out there and advertise it. The Democrats can't. Why, why the unnecessary statement? You know, you know who, who cares? Who cares? You, you guys have to say months ahead of time in the middle of one of the worst things. I mean, it's obviously over, over you know, height and, and a lot of hysteria, but what the country sees, this, they see this as one of the worst times ever because look at all the people out of business. Look at, out of, out of the, look at all the people that, you know, can't feed their families. Look at all the people that are badly struggling. You know, and, and, um, and the, can you imagine the DNC convention? Joe Biden, main headliner, Democrat nominee, Sleepy Joe, said a couple of weeks ago that he's running for the United States Senate, said the other day that, uh, uh, oh, no, he didn't say this the other day, but he was talking about before how little kids were playing with his hairy legs. Remember the corn pop story, how he apparently messed up a gang member so bad? I mean, just all this weird stuff. And then uh, uh, slurring his words constantly on TV in a state thinking he's somewhere else. He doesn't even know what state he's in half the time. And, you know, they're pushing him across the finish line. This guy was on TV these last couple of days making a fool out of himself. It's no surprise how um, his, his campaign and his team has kept him off the air I mean, for the last eight days. They, they have, for the last eight days, they have limited his interviews. Well, the last couple of days he's been on, but before that, it was about eight days, and you only saw him for what, 30 to 60 seconds in those eight days. Can you imagine if Trump disappeared for one week and you didn't hear from him? Can you imagine the hysteria and the, the unnecessary drama from the media? Seriously. I mean, and this corona thing, you know, not that it's deadly. Obviously, it's deadly to people with pre-existing conditions, older people, but you don't want it to spread. We don't need it. We already have enough problems. Stay in your house. Don't be selfish. You know, the DNC says they want to take whatever measure possible, but bringing all these people into a building, if, you know, you know, you know obviously, if it's still a, a huge thing in July, bringing all those people into a building is going to be one of the worst situations you could ever imagine. It's like, you know what? It's like politicians on the left and, you know, even certain selfish rhinos, it's like they want us to get sick. They want, they want this to happen because then they can say they have solutions. They need problems so they can go make their bullshit dumb speeches and then they can, you know, it's all, it's all crap. It's all hogwash. It's all lie. Um, so President Trump, um, well, actually, no, I'm not going to go there quite yet. Um, so the, the whole censoring is out of control. Uh, the Twitter censoring, the Facebook censoring, the Instagram censoring, even the LinkedIn censoring. I mean, I've been, I've been censored from Twitter for 30 days. I've been censored from Facebook for 30 days. Not right now, but I have in the past. I've even been kicked off LinkedIn. The big tech control, the dark money needs to stop. I mean, these people basically are telling these billionaires and all these companies what to put on their platform, how to do it, you know, day-to-day operations, giving them a freaking list. And this, think about it. I mean, it's unlimited 
how much they're dumping into these bank accounts. People like Zuckerberg, people like Jack from Twitter, people like all these, you know, these entities, these are some of the biggest entities ever. And they have the most power. Think about the message that they send. Think about people that go on their platform to utilize their voice to reach millions of people. Donald Trump, if he didn't have Twitter, uh, we wouldn't, I mean, people wouldn't be waking up. I mean, he's, he's putting forth and he's really getting full transparency and showing everything that's actually going on compared to the false fabrications that the media gives us. Big tech is the most dangerous thing, in my opinion, one of them. I would say it's top three right now, especially because election season is right, right around the corner. We know a lot of people don't you know, want, especially the elites. I'm talking, when I say a lot of people, I'm saying a lot of the elites don't want Trump reelected. Uh, they're going to do whatever they can, George Soros, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, you name it, the list goes on. We're in a dangerous time, folks. But, they, but just an example, and this is one of many, uh, James Woods, who's been on and off Twitter, suspended multiple times just for speaking his mind, they, they banned him again. I mean, they, they keep doing it. And it's other people. I mean, it's people like uh, 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 Crowder, Stephen Crowder, uh, Tucker Carlson has been banned, um, um, Ru- uh, Ruben, David Rubin, um, Ben Shapiro. I mean, some of the people that you would never even imagine. And you know why? Because they don't agree with you. They don't want your stuff out there. They don't want people to see the truth. They don't want people to see other mindsets or other you know, points of view. They want it to be one-dimensional. They want it to be a, a, a certain order. It's ridiculous. It is. Okay. Um, oh, and think about this, guys. Last thing I'm going to say about big tech, and we're going to, obviously I know a lot of people will have um, thoughts on this, but think about the politicians that are getting all this money from big tech. We're supposed to be doing something about it, but in reality they're enabling it and they're keeping the problem going and they're adding to the epidemic because all it takes is shutting somebody up with money. Money has power over everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care. And you tell me, if you tell me money is not everything, then I'll call you a fucking liar and say you're an idiot and you're full of crap because you are. I mean, what, and then, you know, I'm not, say, I'm not saying money is everything, but that's a stupid statement because when I hear somebody say, well, you know, uh, what's, the, what's the thing I always hear? Oh, uh, bringing money doesn't, you know, getting money doesn't bring you happiness. Well, does being poor bring you happiness? Absolutely not because – what, you know, it's all about how responsible you are with money. It's about how you maintain it, how you operate it on a daily basis. You know, if, if you know how to discipline yourself, if you know how to have, you know, a, a reasonable uh, everyday lifestyle and, and you know, um, you know, th- then it's great. But if you're an idiot and you're a moron and you, don't, you, you spend everything you ever earn and you're just reckless, then, yeah, I can see why people would be freaking miserable. But if you have that sense of luxury and comfortable level and, and, and that happiness and that satisfaction and that relief, knowing that you don't have to worry about where the next dollar is going to come from, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's happy. I mean, you know, that, that makes people very, um, you know, just, just over, overly happy. I mean, how could it not? How could it not? You know, it, it, it's very simple. You know, when, when, you, when, when you have money, when you have, when you have access to, you know, th- th- these sort of 
rewards, it takes away much of, uh, much of what in your life is bothering you. Because you most problems I hear, believe it or not, guys, 80% of problems I hear from other people is, you know, they're in debt or they have all these bills or, you know, whatever. I mean, the economy is always everybody's number one concern. Every single election cycle, it's the same thing. It's the economy. That's what they care about. They don't care. Most people don't care about chicks with dicks. They don't care about, you know, all this fucking hundred different genders. They don't care about slavery reparations. That's all, those are all just political talking points. That's all it is. But you know what? I'll tell you something. I've, I've done very well in technology. My, my company, we build apps. Everybody needs apps for your phone. It's the new future. Uh, it's become so evolved. Uh, nobody even really uses their browser on their phone anymore. Everybody's using apps. You know why? Because it's so user-friendly. It's quick, it's easy, it's convenient. You don't have to do much. You tap a few buttons, and you get everything you want, rather than going on a browser where you've got to type every single thing you, you, you want to access. So, you know, and real estate. Real estate has treated me well. And radio. I've made good money on radio, a passion of mine, something that I never planned radio in my life. I just picked up the microphone one day over two years ago, and here I am. Here I am. Because you know why? I loved it. I love, I love doing it. I really, it's, it's one of the most exciting things on earth, you know. It, it's, it's just, it's fun. And, it, it, and it's, it's valid, and, it, and, it's, and it's necessary. And, and it, you see how the niche in the podcast, the, the niche and in the podcasting industry has just taken off. I mean, you've got all these people that are gaining a, a huge audience and really capitalizing on these platforms because mainstream media has failed so bad. A lot of these independent people are doing so well, including myself. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, not a Rush Limbaugh yet, but, you know, I'm on my way for being 29 years old, listening to in 25 countries. You know, it's pretty damn impressive. Going to be starting at Salem Radio, one of the biggest radio networks in America, and quite frankly, across the world. Go look up Salem Radio. I mean, it's unreal. It's huge. But it's just, you know, it, things are, you know, I, I go on these rants, guys. I'm sorry. I kind of, you know, I improvise the things that are in my mind and things that come across, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the current subject. But Jesus, man, it's crazy. It really is crazy times out here. Um, but, yeah, yeah, guys, I mean, we, we really, um, this whole, and the whole trans thing, I'm going I'm to get into this. So the U.S. Justice Department, they mentioned today, that they are getting involved with the whole chicks with dicks, the tranny shit, the freaking, you know, oh, I, you know, the, and the competing in sport. Think about the disadvantage. Think about the, the, how unfair that would be and how much of a conniption and, and, and you know, scene uh, you would have uh, if you, as a kid, or were a parent of a kid and, and saw that, I mean, somebody that wasn't born that, you know, that way gets to, you know, all of a sudden change themselves and use that. I mean, think about all the transgenders that are getting first place uh, in a lot of these competitions. It's happening all over the place. I mean, the testosterone, uh, you know, obviously men are always born stronger. Um, you know, that it's just, it's caught. I mean, and I'm not trying to do There's nothing, you know, science. There's nothing sexist about it. I mean, we are born with a different sort of, of, of strength and, and, other, other talent and things that, you know, women aren't prone to. Um, 
But it's, yeah, you know, it's like, what the, what the hell, why? And this is all politics. This is all PC culture. These politicians are trying to put forth every sort of radical ideology they can ever think of because they want to divide America. Because when they do stuff like this, it causes people to talk. It causes people to fight. It causes people to disagree. It creates more of these stupid-ass groups like, you know, whatever it may be. You got Black Lives Matter. You got the smelly feminists. You got uh, Planned Parenthood. I mean, and it, so on, so on, so on. Antifa. Uh, but, yeah, guys, this is, this is absurd. But now, since, you know, state legislators and all these politicians aren't properly uh, treating this, you know, as a, as, as, a, as a real human situation, yeah, we're getting involved. The, the Justice Department, the tr- Trump administration, they're putting a stop to it. Uh, I'm glad the DOJ is doing something. It's about time. I mean, you're not going to have these politicians stop on their own. These Democrats have no – their whole agenda is new world order. That's all. That's what their ultimate objective. They want to take us back to the worst of times you could ever think of. And when they create all these victims, when they create all these boxes, they just get more powerful because they want to convince all these people that there's something wrong with them. And I see all these pussies whining on Twitter and all these mofos. Oh, my God, it's Trump's fault. It's Trump's fault. Shut up. Like, you want to smack these people across the face, man. Uh, speaking of pussies, Jesse Smollett reappeared. Wow. The, 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 one of the greatest hoax artists, one of the greatest villains, criminals, con men of all time, came out the other day. Started, his ass started singing. This clown, this Fruit Loop comes out, obviously not getting the attention he wants, you know, for a while. And you know if he comes out and even shows his face on video, you're going to have the haters that are going to come out, which are mostly haters. But then you'll have the race baiters. You'll have them, you know, there's a, there's a, a wide variety of a crab. I'll tell you what, man, uh, he's going to jail. This guy's getting indicted. He, what is it, like six felony counts they're going, in, going after him for? And then they, he tried to get it shut down, or they tried to, you know, but they said this time, no, we're not letting this go. Kim Fox, who is the special prosecutor who dropped the charges, took a bunch of money from George Soros, and then all of a sudden, she's not, I don't think she's there anymore. So now they have somebody honest and who knows the rule of law, you know, studying and investigating the case very closely. So Justy. You know, you actually are going to like prison, bro. You know, I'm, you know, I'll be easy on the jokes here, but, uh, you know, they're, and they're going to like you, buddy. Oh, yeah. They're going to love you, man, especially when you drop that soap. Oh, God. Can you, can you imagine, guys? You know, and, oh, God. You know what? The fact that he actually would like that is disturbing in itself. Really disturbing stuff here. Really is because you know I, I think he's probably fantasizing about his time with his cellmates and stuff. I think he's excited for the whole bonding experiment. I really do. I really do. I mean, this guy. You think about he was on one of the biggest shows on TV, and he really was. I mean, Empire was on Fox and it was getting a lot of good ratings. And then you know he was coming out with an album, and then he obviously wanted to make himself a little bigger because he wasn't the main character. He was, you know, kind of the, you know, just like the, the he's kind of a standout. I mean, you're not just kind of like the, what's the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, frick. Uh, a parrot, a parrot, uh, frick. 
please, please correct me. Uh, Jesus, I don't, just, just like a, you know, just somebody that wasn't, um, just somebody that wasn't the main. Yeah, I mean, he, he was trying to make his name bigger. He was trying to, he was trying to, you know, advance. Obviously, and you know when he did that, when he pulled the fake attack, which was the biggest bullshit on earth, he said two mega Trump supporters downtown Chicago, winter time, you know below zero degrees, attacked him with ski masks and white paint and with rope. I mean, it was the most dumb. I mean, if you're a good actor and you actually you know know what you're doing, at least come up with a better story. I mean, come on. And then you get on TV and you start crying like a little bitch. I mean, you know what, dude? You know what? And then you have the nerve to lie to the American people and say, I didn't do it. I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And then guess what happened? Empire got canceled a couple months later. The following, like they were only going to do one more season and then they weren't going to renew it because everybody stopped watching. Because there were, believe it or not, there were fans of that show that were putting so much faith into Jesse because they believed him. And then when they found out he's lying, uh, they were done. I mean, look at look at Dave Chappelle. He did a whole um, parody on him. What what did he call him? Ju- juicy uh, Juicy Smollett or, or something. I mean, uh, Dave Chappelle's stand up was awesome though. Um, uh, and Hollywood, you know, speaking of Hollywood, while we're at it, these rants are getting out of control. I mean, these people are some of the most pompous, ignorant. Arrogant, out of touch mofos. I, I say you, you, you can't make these people up. They, you know, they, they come out, they try to get on their little stupid videos, especially the liberals. I mean, and we all know Hollywood is eighty percent liberal. You know, they, they come out, and they start singing. I'm like, what are you singing for? What the? What? Who, who, what? I mean, you guys are that bored. You guys, you know, you guys aren't getting the attention you guys usually get. The movies are down. People aren't going to the theaters. People aren't watching your stuff. So you've got to, you know, do something to, you know, keep, keep your platform in check. You know, there's no, there's no sympathy. There's no love towards the victim. You know, it's, it's all about entertainment. It's all about ratings. It's all about me, 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 me. It's really what it's about. Hollywood, just shut the hell up. Um, this is big, and this is something that I, I'm sure a lot of people aren't talking about because they're so distracted on corona. But that scumbag from Venezuela, Maduro, is now wanted by the DOJ. And amen to the Department of Justice. Amen to General Barr. This guy's kicking ass, baby. I knew that he's doing all these things behind closed doors. And, you know, he's got it all planned out. He's a brilliant mind, and he's not scared of the swamp. But think about what Maduro has done to his people. They're going after him for drug trafficking. Uh, he's got a $15 million warrant. $15 million. Think about that. If that's not any incentive or motive for some foreign power to grab his ass, I don't know what else is. I mean, I, I, think, he, I think we're going to have him in U.S. jail. I hope they lynch him. I hope they hang him. I hope it's public. This guy has killed millions of people with communism. He starved his own people. He's an animal. He's a pig. He's a slob. He's somebody that needs to be taken out back and just freaking just beaten. You need to just beat this guy over and over and make him say sorry a hundred million times. Make him look like the biggest pussy in the world. 
I'm, I'm so sick of people like this. And then we assholes in America try to implement and try to encourage that ideology. In our, they want that in our system, American politicians. You know, Maduro, you know, you rigged elections. You, you know, I mean, look at what they were doing with price gouging. I mean, gas prices were up what, like 60% or 70% up down there? And you can, and bottles of water, toilet paper. Speaking of the toilet paper issue, which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life, sold out at every store in America right now for the most part. I mean, that, Venezuela is way worse. Because, I mean, this, what we're seeing right now with the coronavirus is a little taste of communism. It's a little taste. You're getting a little nibble. You are. You're getting a little bit. And, you know, people fighting. People fighting over toilet paper. Can you imagine people fighting in food lines, people fighting over gas? Can you imagine when it keeps evolving, when it keeps going to the extra extreme? Insanity, guys. It's absolutely insane. All right. Main headline time, baby. Um, so, I mean, the corona shit's all over. you got headlines from all these different entities. So, as of this point, you, and I've said how bad the United Nations is for the longest time. I've said how evil they are. I have called them out on more than one occasion. I have exposed their corruption. I have, you know, really, I mean, look, look at the kind of people that run it. Um, opportunists, globalists, special interests, dirty money, dark donors, everything that's wrong with the world is right at the United Nations. But anyways, they're asking for $2 billion with a B uh, to fight corona. It's always something. Remember when they're asking for billions of dollars to fight the freaking global warming? Now that that obsession and that kind of, you know, talking point has kind of, you know, diminished, they're on to something else. It's always another focus. It's always an agenda, just like the Democratic Party. Always something new. They, they can never, you know, stick to one thing. They're fixated. These people are sick. These people are one-track-minded. Um, let's see here. So, yeah, I mean, here, Italy's crazy right now. Uh, the death toll at this point is rising again. I mean, and let's not forget, you know, I get that, you know, the, the corona death at this point in the U.S. has now topped 1,000, but it's way more in Italy. And people are trying to say, oh, this is some huge deadly thing. This is the end of the world. You know, we all, we're all going to die. Well, you can't compare Italy to the U.S. healthcare system because Italy's way behind. They're not as sophisticated. They're not as um, skilled. They're not as, you know, just they're not as the U.S. is. I mean, we're, we're way, way uh, further along on technology, on, on doctors, on, on different programs, on, on hospital, uh, you know, situations. So I don't want to hear that. That's a, it's like comparing apples and oranges. Um, the fact that it's only 1,000 at this point, I mean, think about that. That's only like a, a very little small town. And it's being, we're controlling this. We're, it's being tamed. We're, Trump was on it on day one. Obama didn't react to the swine flu for like 30 days. You know, and, and even Trump got a great approval rating for how he's handling bipartisan. I, what did he get, like a 60% or something? He, you know, I think it's a lot more than that, but, you know, you're never going to get the uh, full numbers from these different polls. Um, 
see here. So, and I talked about this on my show the other day, and I'll go into this again. So, L.A., L.A. has moved their homeless to rec centers. And, you know, I said the other day, doing this is the worst idea you could ever think of. First of all, because they're not going to test all these people. Second of all, when you get everybody into a room, when a virus is going around, people are going to get it. And your whole idea of everybody keeping their distance, what happened to that? And guess what? I was right. Because earlier today, there was a report that came out saying there's 30 people in, in New York shelters that are already infected. So New York's trying the same thing as California, and it's already turning into a negative result. It's terrible. It's disgusting. Um, New York City's out of control, though. Uh, the more, and this, I don't know if this is over-exaggeration. It's from Breibart. Breibart is very reliable, along many other outlets reported this. But the morgues in New York City are apparently are about over full, like they can't take any more bodies. Guys, there is so much more here to the big picture. This is really, this does not smell good at all. I mean, come on. And I'm not a guy that likes to be a conspiracy theorist, but every red flag possible. And how, do, how does this just happen? And, and you know, it's, it's like these politicians are, are, are feeding off of it. It's like, they're, it's like a drug for them, the ones on the left. I mean, think about it. They're, 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 it's, it's crazy. It's insane. And New York, I mean, you know, look at these places with the most corona cases, all run by liberals. My home state of Washington, run by liberals. New York, run by liberals. California, <laughs> well, do I even need to say? Run by liberals. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 cra- it's crazy stuff. And, um, you know, China, China, like Trump would say, China, you know, they are having restaurants there that there's a restaurant there, and I kid you not, that are celebrating the deaths of the American people. They put up a banner. They put up something that basically says, in, in, a, in a certain way, this is your payback, USA. This is, this, this is from us. Screw you guys. And I can't – can you imagine? And the, the, this is who the liberal, lamestream media sticks up for. And we saw Mike Pompeo come out, and he's even admitted that China has denied world vital information related to corona. They've kept, they've been secretive on so many things. They've answered very little to no questions. They've actually done the opposite. They blamed it on us. You know, they, and don't forget, researchers said it could have been 95% um, tamed and controlled in China. But you know what happened? Pharmaceuticals make a ton of money off these back-end deals. There was a patent on it. There was, you know, and once it got – all this situation, it got approved. All these billionaires are, are, are making a ton right now. Bill Gates. Jeff Bezos, don't forget, people like Bill Gates and many others are always going to these foreign countries and doing these vaccines in low kind of low-key areas, and then once they work, they bring them to the U.S. I'm not kidding. I mean, this is public knowledge. Bill Gates is on camera saying some of this shit. You know, these, these people are, are, you know, they're elites. You know, and it's, do you think age was planned? Do you think any of that shit was planned? Do you realize they have cure for cancer? Do you realize they have cure for AIDS? but they make too much money off the medication. Same sort of thing is going to happen here with Corona. They're going to make so much money off this medication. It's ridiculous. Um, 
Let's see here. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at the deal that was recently. Re- and by the way, uh, just to announce, President Trump's job approval ratings have now surged to the highest of his presidency. So if that's not any indication at all or any sign that, I mean, people are really seeing the light. I mean, people – I've heard even Democrats that would have never praised Trump in a million years say he's doing a pretty good job on, on you know, taking action and, and protecting us and, and really being there and, and, and just kind of being fully transparent. So it's really uh, – I like the unity. I really do. But um, I want to also mention that the, the deal that was just recently reached – don't forget that Nancy Pelosi and all these Democrats slipped all this shit in there, from what I understand. Hundreds of millions to illegals when we're going through a crisis. It's all an agenda, folks. Not, you know, they don't care about getting citizens' money. Their, their main concern isn't getting the economy back. It's people that can come in the country and vote for them. And I'm seeing all these different things. And the Kennedy Center, giving money to the Kennedy Center. I mean, you see all these different things that were in the bill. Um, they're, you know... DACA, global warming, um, all and social justice warrior groups, the freaking tranny shit needs to stop. They're trying to get all that funded. Like, these people never stop. They're relentless. And you know what? I read a report today, very disturbing. I think we really need to take a big look at this. It's not really a secret. China has been killing their people for millions, for as ever, ever since it's been in existence, millions of people. But all of a sudden, recently, since corona started, 21 million Chinese cell phone users have disappeared in three months. Think about that. 21 million people in three months have disappeared. What's going on, people? What aren't they telling us? I want to know. Scary, scary times. It is. It really is. Now, let's go to U.S. congressional candidate in Arizona, Josh Barnett. Go ahead. Hey, Rory. How are you? Uh, like I said, doing well. I'm sure you have a lot. Of- yeah, I was actually yeah. as you were talking and as I was listening, I was uh, doing a little research. Um, I do find it a little strange with the uh, with the China virus and what I'm hearing from Dr. Fauci and uh, in the fake news media. Uh, we we hear them constantly trashing this new protocol of the, the hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine um, in combination with the Z pack that has anecdotal, anecdotal evidence that, you know, it's working. And, and I see this constant attack on it. It's, it's, it's strange to me. Um, anytime I hear the fake news attacking something, like really going after it, it definitely shows me that there's probably something to it, and it probably works. Just some research. Now, I saw Hannity had some doctors on. They had 350 patients in New York, and there was another 150 patients in New York, as well as over in France. But the result in New York was, quote, we had zero deaths, zero hospitalizations, zero intubations, zero everything. So there's shown a lot of promise so far with these drugs in combination uh, with ZPAC and even zinc um, to do this. You know, the one thing, too, I was reading, the, the NIH failed to test these coronavirus drugs. Instead, they were studying drunk monkeys, soap operas, and tailgating. This is no joke. That's literally what they were studying. Oh, yeah. Look at all and, the money. Um, oh, yeah. I had a whole list that I named on the show one time of stuff they waste money on in their bill. It's the absolute dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's unbelievable. You know, and, and they had an expert that warned the agency that as much as 87.5% of biomedical research was wasteful. 
think about that, almost 90%. And, um, you know, it, it's unbelievable. You know, but, you know, you know, as we know now here in Arizona, we have eight deaths here in Arizona in the entire state, about, what, about 7 million people or so. Um, we're doing a pretty good job here, it looks like. You know, I don't want anybody to die. Zero would be best, right? But, you know, eight people out of 7 million. And, but it makes me wonder, you know, we, we know about this, this combination of drugs has anecdotally been working. And it makes you wonder if the last two or three people that have passed away, unfortunately passed away from this China virus, were they prescribed the hydroxychloroquine and Zutac combination? Right. And that makes me wonder, too, because it really yeah. makes us think they probably were abusing it and acting like morons with it. And you know what else bothers me, Josh? is that 30,000 people died from the flu last year, and you don't see businesses yeah. closing. You don't see all these people running and panicking. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And, and, and that, that's what's frustrating to me as a business owner. And, and, I, and I understand the need to maybe, you know, um, make people aware of social distancing. Old people stay home. You're, you're, you're at a higher risk. Um, wash your hands more. Pay more attention to those kind of details. But, you know, where do you draw the line on destroying the economy, like Trump's been saying? You know, where do, we just, where do we draw that line? But, you know, it makes me wonder, if these people weren't being prescribed this stuff and they're dying, why weren't they being prescribed this? You know, I'm, I'm going to dig and find out what I can on that. Um, you know, you brought up, um, you know, the, obviously the stimulus bill. You know, and there's $300, $350 million for migration and refugees, $25 million for the JFK Center, Another $25 million congressional salary increases. Are you kidding me right now? You're giving yourself a raise? It's, un, that just, it's disgusting what happens. And um, these, these people, they absolutely need held accountable. Uh, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm, 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 kinda, I'm a firm believer in term limits. But technically, and I tell people all the time, we have term limits in Congress every two years. You can vote these people out every two years. Um, People need to be more aware of who they're voting for and why they're voting for people and look up their record and what they've actually stood up for, what their, what their voting record is. It doesn't take that long to go through somebody's voting record and look at what they've been doing. And I encourage everyone to do that, Republican or Democrat, because we've got some rhinos in there that need to be replaced by, by good quality conservatives. Um, you know, it, and like you said, you know, I, I, as you know, I think I sent it to you. I had a little, I had a little back and forth with Ruben Gallego last night on Twitter, and I saw something he posted, and it said, I "He's don't a know pussy. I can't stand that soy boy. Oh, I can't stand that soy no. boy." Yeah, he's 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 just yeah, he's all talk, no action on anything he does. But when he posted this, it really it really pissed me off because he said, "I don't know which president is going to kill more of its citizens, but I'm guessing AMLO is going to match Donald Trump." And I was like, you know, talking about the Mexican president. And I was like, is this guy seriously, like, saying that our, our president, you know, is killing people, is basically what he's trying to say. And the irony is, is that Obama is the one that had about 18,000 people die in one year with H1N1, and 1,800 of those were children. So apparently, according to Rubin, the way he thinks, uh, Obama would be the clear winner, you know, in that contest. And, you know, then I went on to call him out to debate since he wanted to talk so much back and forth, and he conveniently just quit responding at that point. So, you know, which didn't surprise me. Um, uh, another thing that's odd about this whole China virus thing is there's a lot of, as you know, percentage-wise, there's a lot of celebrities that are coming down with this China virus. Now, it could be that they're just being tested, 
and for whatever reason they're they're more important than another person aren't being tested. But you know you got Prince Andrew, Prince Charles, you got Harvey Weinstein who was in prison for crying out loud. You have Tom Hanks and his wife, the NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell, Kathy Kathy Griffin. All these people are testing positive. It's just very very strange. Um, in, in percentages, you know, uh, to the number of people that actually have it in comparison to the country, it is a little odd. Um, you know, and, and the one thing, too, that I, I was looking at is we had this big bounce back, as you know, in the stock market. It was the biggest three-day increase since 1931. And, you know, that, that was a positive thing to see. But we had that big drop of $3 million or $3.2 million on unemployment. I'm not so much worried about that, and I don't think a lot. I don't think a lot of people are because that's going to bounce back so fast once this thing's cleared. And President Trump has been saying he wants the country open by Easter, and there's a lot of significance there, obviously. But I, I really believe that he obviously has more information than we do, and I really believe that uh, this solution that they're putting out there and that the fake news is fighting, like literally fighting it to happen. It's almost like they want us to continue to fail. Um, he believes that this big New York trial of 350 people that are undergoing this treatment with the hydroxychloroquine uh, and ZPAC combination is going to definitely show a positive result, and it's going to kind of put an end to this China virus thing. And I think he knows this ahead of time, and that's why he's being so confident in being able to reopen the country by Easter at the latest. And um, I don't know what your thoughts were on that. You know, I, I've, I've done a lot of research on it, and I've yet to find one study that shows anything different. Uh, and I have a feeling that's why Trump is so adamant and so confident in that, you know, that thing as well. But we see the fake news. That, like, we're talking about that again. Cuomo brought up a discussion today about uh, a do not resuscitate order. And it's complete BS. For him to even bring that up is just, it doesn't surprise me. It's, it's this liberal scare tactic nonsense that they do every time something happens. But Dr. Burks debunked it immediately today um, in, in, the, in a press conference with Trump. And now, now you see approval ratings are great, 60% on how he's handling this situation, the highest approval he's had since he's been in office. He's doing a great job. You know, he really is. And, and, and you see the fake news trying to dismiss the treatment, trying to dismiss, um, trying to throw everything he can at him, and 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 they know that none of them are going to carry him. CNN, MSNBC, and these, these NBC and all these places don't even want to carry his press conferences anymore because it's giving him such positive news being given to the American people that they don't want him to get a higher approval rating. I mean, they're doing everything in their power, just like they did by weaponizing the CIA, the DOJ, the FBI, the IRS against Trump and anybody associated with him. They did the same thing. They're doing the same thing now. And the American people better be paying attention because when November 3rd rolls around, this is going to be truly, I mean, I really believe this. This is truly good versus evil. And this is a chance for America to the right people in office that are there to do the right things for the American people. And, and this is the time more than any other time in history that we can either choose a path uh, of freedom or a path to true socialism, because that's what looks like it's being tested right now. And, uh, and, and, you know, you see the second amendment rights being stripped away from people uh, with these executive orders, no weapons, no ammo being purchased. 
you know, all this craziness that's happening right now. And uh, it, it should be a clear sign to every American on, on, on the right way to vote. And, you know, the obvious right way to vote to me is, a, is for a conservative Republican or a conservative to do the right thing for the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. What Very well said, Josh. And Josh, I'm, I'm glad you're joining us. And uh, we have a lot more, obviously, to get into tonight. But tell everybody where they can find your campaign, get involved with you, all that good stuff. Yes, um, you can uh, get a hold of me at Barnett for AZ.com. And I'm actually still collecting online signatures for my petition to be on the Republican ballot. We're going to be turning that in um, by April 6th. We can't go door knocking, so I'm really uh, putting, rely, you know, relying on people to get on the website, take a few minutes, click on the petition link, fill out a little bit of information, and, and sign my petition. Um, you can also reach me at Barnett for AZ on Twitter and Instagram and Josh Barnett for Congress on Facebook. Absolutely. Well, really, um, always a pleasure, Josh. I always love having you on. Um, stay with us, though. A lot more to get into. Um, everybody, I am um, I'm going to take a quick commercial. Um, we obviously have a lot of people to get to. I'll be getting to uh, political operative Corey Jones, who's on the panel. I'll be getting to um, Eric Mitchell, a CEO of LifeLet Media. I'll also be getting to uh, the richest self-made woman in real estate, Dottie Herman. Very excited to talk to her. I will also be having CEO of Kid Sharp Media, Inc. and best-selling author, Houston Curtis. Um, a lot of names coming on tonight. Mic- microbiology expert and best-selling author, Dean Hart. So um, stay with us, though. Um, I'll be right back. This is the Rory Sodder Show. It's a beautiful night, everybody. Um, yeah. Coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. New delicious taste like whiskey flat iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. 
she's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. It's a beautiful night, everybody. Coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, also want to mention, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, the next, N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. Um, I will be getting to everybody tonight, but I do want to welcome first, I believe she's with us. We have the richest self-made woman in real estate, Dottie Herman. Dottie, how are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I... Uh... I'm not the richest, but I'm in there. Um, how are you doing out there? Doing very well. Very happy to have you on. You've had one hell of a career, quite the resume. Uh, first time on Thank the show. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm self-made. I started a real estate company like 25 years ago and uh, out on in the suburbs of Long Island and. I eventually was able to borrow, right after 9-11, actually, uh, $72 million. And don't ask me how I was able to do that. Um, and I purchased the largest company in New York City, Douglas Elliman. And uh, since then, we've opened up probably in about 15 states. So we're probably the second or third largest uh, company in the United States in real estate. Um, wow. and, um, I love what I do and I love real estate and we're, uh, you know, it's a great, great business, but right now I'm in New York and it's, uh, pretty crazy here right now. And, and Don, uh, speaking of that, uh, kind of, kind of give us some insight and some, you know, info. You, you're right in the city. Obviously it's the ghost town there right now. I saw some breaking news footage from earlier today, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I mean, you've got Vegas empty, you've got L.A. empty, you've got New York City empty. And New York City, I 
the, the epidemic is bad. You know, as you probably heard me report earlier, uh, the New York City morgues, according to the news, they're nearly full. And um, I don't think de Blasio or Cuomo uh, is doing enough. I think they're actually lacking in many departments. And I think it's, it's sad. And, and, and people, you know, in New York especially, I, I really think that the way the current climate was, it just obviously added on to, to the several problems they already have. And it's just it's so sad to watch. Well, you know, I look, you know, nobody really knows. I mean, you listen to, God knows, if you listen to the news every day, you probably want to kill yourself ahead of time. But <laughs> this is, yep. uh, this is like nobody really knows. Uh, but what we right. do know, you live in New York City, that's the density. People live on top of each other or they walk on top yeah. of each other. They take the trains on top of each other. So it has become the epicenter for this virus. But I will tell you one thing. Um we are taking it very seriously here, and as we battle through 9-11, which was very different, but also something that was catastrophic and something that you feel like you're in the twilight zone, uh, New York is stick together. So everybody is trying to help each other. People are really listening to not, you know, to social, you know, socially not going near each other. The streets are empty. If you go to a supermarket, you have to wait on a line, uh, and they let two or three people in at one time. That's it. If you go to a pharmacy, the same thing. Uh, yeah. It, it's 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 kind of crazy, and unfortunately, I believe this has been around. For a bit of time, I mean, I think it's been around since probably December, uh, or maybe even before then. And it's unfortunate that we just really found out in a big way recently. Um, right. You know, I I think the most dangerous part of this whole thing is that is the whole virus. For example, in in January, I had a flu, which I took a Z pack for, and obviously, usually a Z pack works, but it didn't. So then I went to the doctor and I said, this Z-Pack is not working, I'm sicker. And he sent me for x-rays on my chest and everything, and they found that I had pneumonia. And, okay, so I had pneumonia, and I had a flu right before that. And for all I know, I could have had this. And so many people have walked around with it, some with no symptoms, some thinking that they had the flu because it was flu season in New York. Uh and that's how it spread, and it is very scary. Uh, but we're trying to stay positive. And New York is virtually shut down, by the way, Rory. It's, I mean, shut down. Uh, there's only essential businesses open. Um, and the real estate business, our offices are all closed. Uh, there are a lot of people trying to get rentals outside of the city in the suburbs where they think there's less people. But actually, I saw a sign, you know, there's a sign when you go out to the Hamptons that says, if you're from New York, quarantine yourself for 14 days. And I think in Florida, they're saying the same thing because, you know, this thing is going from state to state, um, person to person. And it's really everything that you touch. So it's kind of a really crazy experience. And I'm trying to tell everyone, you know, you got to stay, you got to follow these rules, you got to socially isolate yourself in New York, which is tough, 
you have to try to keep a routine because most businesses are closed, so people are not working, and they have nothing to do but think about this and watch the news. So I think it's important to stay on a schedule. And, you know, we just have to hope and pray that we get some kind of vaccine for this. I mean, I, I, I guess you hear on the news that they're just putting bodies in ice packs, in ice boxes. There's so many of them. There was just a, uh, there was just something in one of the papers in New York where one of the nurses was wearing a trash, a plastic trash bag for a mask uh, because we've, you know, there's not enough. And out here, they're going to run on everything. So it's, you know, but we're strong and we're going to get through this because we have to. And um, uh, we wish everyone our prayers and they wish us. And, and I've had so many people reach out and, and from all across the, the country to say, are you safe? Are you okay? And I urge everyone to do that, uh, to reach out to people. And if you know somebody that maybe is older or lives alone, to call them because a good friend of mine is a psychiatrist and she said really social contact is, is not allowed, but really emotionally contacting people and being in touch with them and wishing them safety is really important now. People need to connect. Right. And we see right. that happening. I, I saw that after 9-11. I'm seeing that now. Yeah, and, and tell us tell us this. So obviously we see how, and, and I'm, you know, I've invested in I've invested in quite a bit of real estate. Real estate's always a great money maker. Always a great ROI return on your money. Um, I mean, it's perhaps the best. I mean, if you really want to put your money somewhere and have it be consistent, I think that. And, yeah, but I but here here's my question. You know, with how great the market's been, with how great real estate's been. I mean, we're seeing real estate numbers like never seen before. I mean, I mean we're we're seeing better than 2006 when 2006 everybody knows they were giving out loans and they were doing things like candy and the numbers were unreal but now uh well you know obviously not right now but you know fairly recent before this whole epidemic happened uh with corona uh, we've never seen an economy like this and and you know the the sudden just pause and everybody has to go into their homes shut down the businesses. I'm wondering what this does to the real estate market and what it does to other businesses. Cause we're already seeing, I think I read like what, four or 5% of businesses. No, no restaurant, really restaurants, but there's other restaurants that have had to shut down. Yeah. But that have had to shut down too. Um, yeah, but it's crazy. I mean, I, and I'm seeing real estate, obviously people at this time are, are more, are so focused on the economy back opening that, you know, it's like, that's where their head is. And, it just really, it's an interruption because we were doing so good, you know, and I, I just, I worry about the future of real estate, but at the same time, I don't because I think we're going to rebound, rebound from this fairly quickly and it's, we're going to be more powerful than ever. But what do you think? Let, that's, well, let me tell you what I think. Number one, as, as the governor, Cuomo, um, announced Friday, you know, he made an executive order that all non-essential businesses uh, had to be closed for two weeks, and so real estate is one of them. They're not considering it essential at the moment. I think that might change. Uh, we, we, well, first of all, I saw this with 9-11. I mean, I, I witnessed it, and if you went downtown and you went to the World Trade Center, well, you, it was a hole, and 
nobody thought that that would ever come back, and nobody thought that people would ever live in high buildings again, especially, and now the higher the floor in New York City, the more money it is. So here's what I think. I think when we finally get through this, so we find, you know, we're in Apex yet. I mean, we... We're really at the beginning. New York is going to double and multiply in the next two weeks. But I believe that just as 9-11, where it was just dead, it just stopped, um, I think you will see as the economy comes back that it rebounds. I mean, real estate will rebound. New York is New York. And I what we're looking at is deals that went into like there are deals that went into contract before all of this, and they're closing. Some of the people are trying to renegotiate, saying, "Listen, I'm not going to close now unless you take this amount of money off." Uh, so you have that going on. You see a lot of rentals, which people are trying to exit the cities and move to more of a suburban place where there's less people. But if you go back to real estate. Um, I am worried about the economy. I mean, I'm worried about those small business owners, um, even with the stimulus package. You know, I'm not sure how many will sustain themselves. I think there's going to be a lot that happens. But I do think when this is all said and done, it will be like 9-11 after a year or two. I, I purchased Douglas Elements a year after 9-11, Corey. And right. I was negotiating to borrow $72 million dollars purchased that company the year right after 9-11 when we were on orange alert and we were expecting a second terrorist attack. And how I got them to lend me the money, I don't know, but we did. And I'll tell you, no one expected it, but the real estate market not only boomed, but that downtown area is so far more expensive. It's flourishing. It's it's bigger than it ever was. And New Yorkers all said, we're not leaving. We're staying here and we're going to, you know, we're going to fight for New York. And I think you're going to see the same thing. I, I do think that across the country it's different because I chair uh, the top 75 companies in the United States, regardless of what their brand. So, again, it's different in different states. In some states it's not as bad. But I can tell you this. There's a sign when you're going out to the Hamptons that says, New Yorkers, quarantine for 14 days. And in Florida, yeah. the, the governor there is telling you if you're coming from New York, I don't know how they can enforce it, but there's people you know need to do the right thing. And they're telling people if you're from New York and you're coming to Florida, quarantine for 14 days. I believe Absolutely. it would be a misdemeanor. It, so it, it's in, it's insane. It, it's it's I, I've never. I mean, we're, we're you know people are panicking. There's a lot of overdrop, overdramatic hysteria. I, I get that we can't. Everybody needs to stay at home though. People can't pass this along. But you know, all all it does is it, it keeps the virus going. You know, we can definitely tame and control this. But I, I want to ask you something. Um, so obviously, being in the New York real estate scene. That's the biggest, I mean, the, the biggest players on the face of the earth. I mean, NYC real estate, I mean, you, you, that's the best of the best. And w- what's that like? I mean, what's the environment? I mean, it, it has to be very creative and profound and kind of its own style. I'm, I'm sure you've probably been around Trump, and I'm sure you've probably been around some of the 
some of the biggest people on earth. I mean, you're, you are one of the richest self-made women in real estate, so definitely would make sense. Well, you know what? I, I you know, I, I didn't start out in New York City. I started out in, on Long Island, the suburbs. And so when I bought Douglas Elliman, I was just all of a sudden, here I was in New York City. Not that I didn't go there, but I wasn't a real estate person there. And I found New York City is very accepting of everyone and pretty honest. And, you know, I was welcomed and my competitors welcomed me and I uh, I saw real estate like I've never seen it before because I think uh, the governor said something today which I think is profoundly true New York accepts everybody, everything every walk of life every language I mean there's a guy that walks around nude there he calls himself the, 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 a cowboy he wears a cowboy hat I mean, nobody really judges anything, and anything goes. So it's True. a very accepting city, and it it just always moves. And it's you grow a lot because growing up in the suburbs, you know, people are all kind of alike, and we tend to we tend to stick around with people that think like us and act like us. And in the city. You know, people from everything are all over the place and right next door to you and having a drink at the same bar. And, and so you really grow. You, you learn a lot of cultures. You see a lot of different cultures. And it's kind of a very big, very unique experience. And real estate, uh, you might as well be in Hollywood. Real estate rules New York City. It's it. Yeah. Yeah. And when people say to me, oh, where do I go? You know, what's the best place to buy? Any place that you buy in New York City uh, is just off the wall, um, just off the wall. And, and and now with this, do I think we're going to have a setback? Sure. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, and does anyone know how long this will last? Not really. But people have to live someplace. And let me say this. I sound yeah. like Dorothy, and that's my real name for the Wizard of Oz. But you know what? When people go through periods like this of uncertainty, yeah. of they're fearful, their home is their haven. Absolutely. Their home Absolutely. is their security. One hundred one. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So exactly. I, you know, I believe just like after nine eleven, I saw people just. There was such a pent-up demand, and people said, Johnny, can you get me a house in the Hamptons, a summer house there, so that I can I can have my kids come out? People want to be with their families and friends. Now, we can't do that right now, but I feel that that's what's going to happen when this whole thing gets resolved. And I, I think that's anywhere, because no matter what state yeah. you're in, you don't know. I mean, I just read on the news or was on the news that 100-something nurses – Died in Boston, okay. It's crazy in a hospital. So the times, the, you know, the times are the times are absolutely it's it's insane. I mean, I you know, I mean, we're, we're living in a in a crazy time. I do I do got to let you go here in a second though. Um, tell everybody where they I, can connect with you, where where they can get they involved. Can get where they can D Herman at Elliman E L L I M A N dot com. And if anybody has any questions or anything they need to know, you can always get me there, dherman at elements.com. And I'm wishing everyone safe. Be safe and uh, 
I'll give everyone a virtual hug. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Have well, a good night. Let's have you back soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, I do want to welcome the show. Uh, by the way, uh, we still have a lot of people on the panel. I'm getting to everybody tonight. Um, I want to welcome right now, I believe we have with us CEO of Card Sharp Media, Inc., and bestselling author, Houston Curtis. And next, I will be introducing microbiology expert and bestselling author, Dean Hart. But uh, Houston, what's up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Rory. How are you doing? Absolutely, man. Well, it's a real pleasure. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, You've obviously done a lot of big things. I was reading some of your bio and, you know, just the things that you've been behind. It's unreal, man. Tell everybody uh, your life story, man. Uh, It's it's quite quite the scenario. (laughs) Well, uh, in a nutshell, I I left uh, uh, the small town of, a small town in southern Illinois when I was a kid and moved to California with Big dreams, as a lot of a lot of people do, and uh, I had always played uh, cards since I was probably seven years old. But I moved out to LA to to study music, and then I got in the television business. Um, and I was always playing in poker games on the side, which you know in LA you get to meet a lot of people through uh, just like you do out here playing golf. You meet a lot of people in Los Angeles playing poker. Um, and over the years, as my career kind of grew in the television and film business and music business, I started playing in higher and higher stakes games. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's what eventually landed me in the biggest game in Hollywood history that I engineered with actor Tobey Maguire and uh, that spawned the, the book and movie Molly's Game. And Molly worked for me and Toby. So my book, Billion Dollar Hollywood Heist, is really all about the true story behind that. Unbelievable. And I saw Molly's game and Molly's game was, so that, that was your story. So if you saw Molly's game, there was a character in the movie named Harlan Hustis, who was the guy that uh, player X was like staking and he lost a million dollars. Uh, my name being Houston Curtis, they changed the name in the movie to Harlan Hustis. But that was based on me. Uh, there was a lot of facts that are obviously wrong. Um, you know, me and Toby started the game way before Molly was ever in the picture. And we really needed, uh, Toby needed a reason to get the game out of his kitchen because, you know, there, it started getting to be a lot of money and, uh, he didn't want his name, you know, specifically attached to the game. So we called our buddy Darren Feinstein, who owned the Viper Room at the time. And Darren said, yeah, I'd love to have the game here. And I'll ha- I know this this girl named Molly. I'll have her serve drinks. And that's how we met Molly. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So t- tell us about Molly. I mean, what, what- Obviously, a very unique, creative, uh, profound individual. Somebody that is overly, uh, uh, in, I mean, just somebody, you can't make somebody like that up. I mean, she really uh, did something that <laughs> not too many people could pull off. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. What you pull off and uh, the, 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 the story that gets told and the, and the true story uh, are a little different. I think the true story is even more fascinating than what we we saw in, in the movie with Molly's game. Uh, 
but Molly, you know, she knew nothing about poker. She was this bright-eyed girl from Colorado, came from a good family. And um, when we approached her, we said, look, we, we just need you to host this game. We, we gave her the list of names, call everybody every week, have a show up, and, uh, you know, make sure the game's uh, set up and that all the buy-ins are taken care of. And, uh, and we started tipping her. And uh, before you knew it, she was making so much in tips, um, she knew that this was a job she had to hold on to. And there was a point to where, where her, her boss, Darren, I guess had fired her and he said, I'm going to take the game away from you. And so Molly came crying to us and, you know, she said, look, I don't want to lose this game. So we said, okay, we're well, going to have to step it up. And we, we moved, that's when we moved it to the four seasons and the Beverly Hills hotel. And, and the game got just insanely huge. And, you know, before you knew it, me and Toby were making three, $400,000 a night. And Molly was getting tipped 30,000 a night for just showing up. <laughs> So it was big money. Wow. I mean, what the – wow, dude. So you and Toby tell everybody. So you're making, what, three hundred, four hundred thousand 400000 a night? How many nights a week? Every single night? No. I mean, we, we, we would only put the game together a couple nights a week. But, um, you know, I probably – over the five years that I played in the game, probably pulled in like $15 million just out of the game. And it was great until uh, until it wasn't. You know, it, it, a lot of things came crashing down. And uh, when when Molly moved to um, New York, you know, one of the things in the movie I, I don't know if you remember, but she basically acts like you know the the story was the game was taken away from her. We actually set her up in New York in in, in another game with basically the equivalent game in New York is a bunch of big hedge fund guys. Uh, because our game was moving into a billionaire's house, uh, this guy Alec Gores wanted to have it at his house. And yeah. what do you say to a billionaire when he wants to have a game? Wants to have your game at his house? You say yes. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we set Molly up with this other game, and unfortunately she got involved with some Russians and uh, some, the Russian mob. And and uh, uh, but while that was going on, one of the guys in our game who was the biggest fish we had ever found. This guy was so, his name was Brad Ruderman, and he was such a bad poker player. He was so bad that Toby and I would give him. Try, we tried to give him books. You know, I produced DVDs with Phil Helmuth and Annie Duke on you know how to poker, and he wouldn't watch the DVDs. He wouldn't read the books, and he would come every week and he would drop uh, six figures every single time he came. And, who was uh, this Toby? guy Brad Ruderman? And he was a big oh, hedge fund guy, and and Alec Gores, the billionaire, actually had like ten million with him, and uh, and, and all of a sudden, when when the market started to go south, we're talking like two thousand eight. I'll never forget. I was in the game when Alec casually said to him, "Hey, Brad, I'm going to need to pull the money out of the fund. You know, my my investment uh, guys are telling me, you know, there may be a market decline." And, uh, so Alec obviously knew about the market decline before anyone else, as most billionaires probably do. And, and Brad said, sure, I'll get it out for you next week. Two weeks later, Brad was in prison, and we found out he had turned the, uh, his $54 million hedge fund. He'd been turning dollars into dimes for a while, and he had paid all of his poker Jeez. debts, which was over $5 million to us, with stolen money. So 
the feds wow. came, Molly, Molly, the feds went after Molly uh, because of what she was doing with the Russians, and and then uh, I guess as leeway on that, they wanted to, to her to give up all of our names, so she gave all the names from the LA game, you know, including myself and Toby and Ben Affleck and Nick Cassavetes and uh, you know. Bunch of big players uh, who had taken money off of uh, Ruderman, and unfortunately, I had taken the most money off of them. Or one of the, I was one of the guys who took the most money off of them. And uh, you know, that was 2008, and everything like turned to crap overnight. And my three million dollar house went from being worth three million to one million, and then they put a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar lien on it, and you know, I, then I had a heart attack, and <laughs> it's just. It was it was uh, incredible highs and devastating lows. So I mean, and, and really speak on this. First off, I want to ask you, how much money do you think Molly made? Do you think she made out of this whole thing? I mean, obviously they used her to get a lot of information, so they probably went a little easier on her. But do you think she pretty much got to keep most of what she earned? A and then B, how much? Well, think about the game ran for about five years. She was pulling about thirty thousand a night on average, um, wow. and running that like a couple nights a week. So it was a lot of money. And she, I mean, she you know, Toby pointed something out once. Uh, you know, in the movie, she kind of makes Toby look like a cheapskate and a bad guy. I, I can tell you for a fact, she was never tipped less than a thousand dollars from Toby uh, on. Any any game that I ever played with him in, and I, I don't know what world you live in, but a thousand dollar tip is uh, is not chump change. And really, we shouldn't have been tipping because it was our game, and you know her livelihood depending depended on us, you know, having the game every week. Um, but he did anyway because uh, he was generous. Right. But when he when we saw her driving up in a Bentley, uh, you know, it, it started looking a little you know, a, a little bad for the game when you got guys who are losing millions of dollars and the hostess of the game is driving a Bentley, you know, up to the Four Seasons to, to valet uh, to come take your drink order. So it started looking a little bad, you know, near the end. <laughs> and, right. And I think, you know, that's when she was getting, you know, a lot of people who make a lot of money who never had it before, all of a sudden, yeah. you know, start living life a little too uh, a little too fast. Right. And I think, right. and, you know, Molly is she, is she did the, that. Yeah, and was she the good type of girl, or was she kind of the slut? I mean, like, was she – what kind of personality was she? I mean, was she the one that would sleep around, or did she keep it strictly business? She, you know, <laughs> well, I, I mean, what, 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 even Toby, all these crazy stuff. What were you going to say? Sorry. Well, the you know, the way um, Molly's portrayed by Jessica Chastain in the film – was you know that she would have you know no relationships with any of the players and and uh, it, look there's a lot of things about the film that were that were accurate and at one point I I you know I really cared a lot for Molly she was like a little sister to me and you know right. I I uh, well, let me keep ask her in you the this. game let me ask you this. how how many, how much of the film was accurate sixty seventy percent fair to say uh. Well, the, the things that weren't accurate were so incredibly inaccurate that um, maybe 50%, but what, what okay. is going to be 100% accurate is right. 
the billion dollar Hollywood heist. When you read my book, right? And, and as is, you were saying, as you as you were saying about your Molly was like a sister. We were starting to get in, in her personal life. I, you know, I asked you, was she a good girl or was she the type that was, you know, would sleep around? <laughs> well, let's just say that um, uh, if you read my book, you will find out that uh, uh, the Jessica Chastain version of Molly. Uh, that Aaron Sorkin wrote in his film and the, the Molly that uh, uh, we all came to know were definitely two different people. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. R- read the book and I think you'll, you'll find some very uh, salacious details. And that's Hollywood for you. They never give you the full true story. They're always twisting it. They're always, ma- it's like the fake news. They're always trying to fabricate something and, Please really, like, speak on the uh, gambling addiction and corruption in Hollywood. Because I know a lot of these stars owe debts. I know a lot of these stars, you know, get all this money and they act like idiots. I knew, you know, I, I'm not saying they're all idiots. I mean, I, Toby McGuire <laughs> seems like a nice guy, but he, he, I know he's always been a gambler. And um, well, I'm just I, 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 it with athletes, athletes, too. I mean, it's all these people in these positions – and you know they really, and, and my, you know they do, they a lot of them do it the wrong way, and then they they get stuck. But what, what are your thoughts? Go ahead. Well, I've played with a lot of them. You know, I've played with Pete Sampras. I've played with Rick Fox. I, I, I've played with uh, uh, you know a lot of athletes, uh, tons of celebrities. One thing about Toby, I wouldn't say that Toby is is a, a, a gambler. Toby is a very um, you know, the first time I met him, we were at a poker table at the Commerce, and I could tell right away that he was very serious about the game. He's a serious student of the game. And, yeah. you know, with, with poker, poker is a game that, that can be beat. And I think right. that's why him and I ended up forming such a friendship is, you know, we had such a passion for the game and kind of a, a similar style and approach to, to the game. And, uh you know, our goal was to build a, like a big rat trap that, uh, you know, th- these guys who we were playing against, they were never going to get any better and they were never going to run out of money. So that was the beauty of, of the scenario, you know, and you get the same six or seven guys with, you know, some new fish that would come in every week. Uh, and then we would use our buddies like Leo DiCaprio to, you know, that was all engineered from the beginning. Bringing Leo into the game was completely uh, engineered as a way to bring in whales. You know, Leo didn't even play with his own money, which I, I talk about in my book. Toby and I staked him to come in the game so we yeah. could get guys who were willing to lose thousands of dollars just so they could say, I sat and played with Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, and Um, no, absolutely amazing stuff. Absolutely incredible. What a story! And you know, I want to ask you, and I think this is a fair question. Don't you think the mob has a lot to do with the gambling industry? I mean, obviously the gambling industry, but the gambling industry in Hollywood. These actors, don't you think they're getting sometimes involved with the wrong crowd? Maybe the wrong sort of, you know, uh, you know, just the wrong environment. Well. You know, I've been playing poker in Hollywood since the 90s, since I moved there. I moved yeah. there at 18 in 1989. Yeah. And yeah. I've played with Russian mob games. I've played with the Armenians and the Persians that were all really mobbed up. Uh, I've played in all kinds of B-level celebrity games that had different 
forms of shady characters in him. One of the things that we wanted to do when we started this game is we wanted to make it uh, as clean as possible. So, you know, I'd already played like, you know, what some people would call under fire where, you know, I, I played in games that were crooked games that were, uh, uh, you know, where the guys running the game were totally on the take, where they were doing deck switching and riffle stacking and things like that. And I've, I've been a card manipulator my whole life, so I had no problem sitting in fast company like that. But I never, you know, wanted, you know, that to come into this game with Toby because I know as soon as it did, it, it would it would destroy what could potentially be the greatest you know, carry patch, you know, uh, of, of, of our lives. And uh, we had a shuffle master, which is an electronic shuffling machine. I brought in a dealer who had dealt for years at Hollywood park, who I trusted. And we ran the game as straight as we could. And yeah, we'd have a guy with a gun at the door every now and then, but we kept the mob out of, uh, out of the game as much as possible in New York. It's, that's harder to do. But in LA, yeah. with the amount of star power that we had in this game, um, right? You know, we kind of were our own little mom. You know, we, we, there was one time a New York rounder infiltrated our game, and I write about this in the book. And this was a guy who came in the game under false pretenses. He claimed to be the cousin of someone that we all knew, this rich trust fund Hollywood kid. And yeah. uh, his story was he was a degenerate sports better, just learned to play poker, loves to bet big. Well, we could yeah. tell by the by 15 minutes into play that the guy was a pro, and we started asking about this guy that he was supposed to know, and then we said, well, how's Bobby? And he's like, who's Bobby? Said, well, it's BZ's brother, the guy that was your cousin. And then we, we, we said, take your license out. And, and he stood up. He's like, okay, okay. I'm, 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 it's not really who I am. And I made one phone call to my friend Andy Bellin back in New York and found out he was a pro. And so we uh, kept his $40,000, $50,000 buy-in and told him, we're going to keep your money, and we want you to go tell everybody who tries to infiltrate this game that this is what happens. So that's about as bombed up as we ever got. <laughs> and that was me oh, and Toby oh. McGuire and Todd Phillips, who directed the Joker and Hangover. All of us were in the game, you know, when this happened. So, like – Explain this. Obviously, going from a small town, growing up, you know, you know, obviously you had a lot of goals, you had a lot of ambitions, you were very passionate, and then you end up in Hollywood, and what a change of pace! And how how did that happen? Like, how do you meet all these people? You know, how how does it get so intense and so evolved? Like, you guys start this huge business, it becomes a movie, it becomes a story. And then I can only imagine the ending when you guys were set up and you guys were all caught. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, when, when I first went to Hollywood, it was, uh, you know, I was young. I was 18 and I went to, to Grove School of Music. I wanted to be in a rock band. And uh, I, I was, you know, a decent guitar player. I played since the time I was five. And my dad had played with George Jones and Conway Twitty and Mickey Gilley. He was a really talented musician. And uh, so I'd always played guitar and I ended up playing guitar on this TV show called Showtime at the Apollo, which ironically shot, you know, on the other side of the country in New York, but they would do a segment called tribute to an Apollo legend and bring me in to play guitar. And so before I knew it, I'm in the television business now, and now I'm meeting, uh, this celebrity or that celebrity. And, 
and and I'm always playing poker, so I get invited to these poker games. And uh, by the time I was 23, I was producing TV shows. I was a producer on the. I left LA and went to Chicago for a while. I was a producer on the Jerry Springer show, and I came back and produced a bunch of reality TV. And then I started creating shows at MTV. And uh, but it wasn't until I created a, this video series called The Best of Backyard Wrestling. Remember the kids jumping off the roofs, lighting themselves on fire and stuff. It yeah. was like a big. <laughs> well, we sold like you know it. It went through the roof, and uh, you know I became a self-made millionaire after that. And once you have that kind of money, you just start ro- rolling in a certain crowd, and that's when you start meeting guys like Toby. And uh, it didn't take me long to you know I met Toby, and there was this other guy who was uh, it made like fifty million off of some telecom deal and. Pretty soon we're all at, at each other's houses playing cards, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until, you know, eventually it was, you know, people were literally, you know, it was, it was at a point where they could win or lose a million bucks a night, you know, which is insane uh, from somebody who came from a small town, you know, uh, and lived in a, you know, a $50,000, $60,000 home growing up. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, and it really is a – I mean, it's 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 an addiction. I mean, it, it people feed off this stuff. You know, you, you win, you want a little more. You want a little more, more. You know, it's crazy how in so many ways yeah. it it resembles you know uh, drugs. Um, and, and there was some sad stories. You know, yeah, I I never. Oh, I can only imagine. I, I hear I hear people that bet their entire life savings, and the next day they have nothing, and they want they want to kill themselves. Well, <laughs> I, I I I saw it happen, and it's you know it's a sad story, and I won't say the name of the person, but it's in my book. But there was someone who was a prominent person around LA. They were a VP of a very big um, uh, clothing store in Beverly Hills, and I don't know how. At one point, Toby's like, "Dude, how much do, would a person at that place make?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Because he lost like thirty thousand to me one week, and then he lost thirty thousand next week, and and this was before the game got too out of hand, you know, but if yeah. a guy's making, you know, 150 grand a year, 200 grand a year, he can't be losing 30,000 a week in a game just to sit and play with celebrities. And then right. the, the, this guy ends up, it turns out, uh, you know, it didn't turn out good for this guy. And it really uh, kept me up at night. Uh, a lot. He, he ended up committing suicide. And, uh, you know, I kind of vowed at that point, I, I never wanted to take any money from, from someone again, who could not afford to lose it. That's not the way I had ever played, you know, when I was coming up in these tough games with these, you know, these mobsters and cricket games, these are all guys I didn't mind taking down, you know, (laughs) they're, they're all scumbags, you know, but this guy was a decent guy. You know, you don't want to destroy lives. And did, let me ask you this: Did they did they catch you with wire? Is that how they got you with a wire? No, they um, they 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 just you, they wait, went did to you do, Did you do time? Did you do some time for this? Now, there there is not time for this, uh, but related to all this, when everything came crashing down, there was a, a, a marker dispute out of Vegas. Uh, you know, all of a sudden I went from you know, being on top of the world to having a $3 million house that was worth $1.1 million 
and having a $750,000 lien put on it based on what I won off of Brad Ruderman. And then, then 2008 hits and everyone starts stiffing my, my regular business. And when I, and then I lose a million dollars in the game on a, like a 9,000 to one shot. Uh, and I tell this story in the book. It was against, they portray it in the film Molly's game, but the actual hand, uh, it was me against Rick Solomon, the guy who slept with Paris in the One Night in Paris video. And Pam Anderson, and, yep, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know yeah he married yeah, Pam. And, yeah, and Rick was a buddy of mine, but Rick came in, and Rick, you know, he'd be the first to tell you he had a little bit of a drug problem at the time. And, I mean, he must have done enough blow to, like, you know, he could have put Aerosmith out of business. And and, and it was just right. me and him heads up, and I had been stuck all night. And uh, I, I ran the odds on the hand, and I tell it in the book. But basically, he went runner-runner to hit a 9,001 shot to one-out me for a, a million dollars. And that's when I, I had to go to Toby and because uh, of everything else, you know, 2008, the market crash, everything else that hit, and Toby said, you know, we literally scratched out a deal on a napkin and, and he helped me cover the million. But now I was locked into a deal with Toby where I had to pay the million back by giving him 50% of my wins, but I, but he didn't sweat my losses and that was fine. He got paid back in three weeks. I won the million back. They don't tell that in the movie, but unfortunately he, the deal was he wanted me to give him 50% of my wins for a year after that. So if yeah. you do the math, if I if I win a hundred grand one night, Toby gets fifty. I win a hundred grand the next night, Toby gets fifty. Then I lose a hundred grand the third time we play. I, I got to pay the hundred, and Toby sweats nothing, and I'm even. So my win rate had to be, you know, huge. And um, it just, with everything going on, it got to be unsustainable. Um, and I talk about that in the book, and I talk about you know how Toby and I sell and all of that. But it was it was a crazy wild time, man. And some of the stories in this book, I think, uh, yeah. you know, people are going to be shocked at what really goes. No, on absolutely. In and did you so so you a lot of people in your group? I, I got to let you go here in a second. I love talking to you, by the way. I could talk to you all day, but <laughs> just, just this is, you got you got amazing stories. But I want to ask so the the people in your inner circle who had to suffer and pay the most in terms of Crime-wise, I mean, I, I'm sure there were people in the movie, you know, there, there were people that were getting busted. But who ultimately you think p- paid the biggest price? I know you guys had, you know. I, the, a, the, the, the guy who paid the biggest price, my friend, is on the phone with you right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I lost everything. Not only did I lose everything, I'm talking my house, uh, you know, family. Um, I ended up. At Cedar Sinai with a heart attack, died on the table. Uh, she just be revived and told that I had only five years to live, and then went into a massive depression. Lost all of my my you know my business crumbled. I lost. And it, then there was the 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 whole thing with the uh, you know the Vegas warrant and all that, that that I talk about in the book, which I lost it all, man. I lost I lost it all. And I was the only guy that was really in the game playing. Right. Like, I needed that money every week, you know. Uh, Toby right. had about $50 million stocked away, so he could afford the swings. 
He literally, didn't he literally, he made hundreds of, I think I read somewhere, he made like a hundred million off one of the Spider-Man movies. Like he, he made hundreds of millions off multiple of them, didn't he? He, he? He's made a lot of money. I was, I was with him on the set of Spider-Man 3. I was there for the last scene that was shot. And it was kind of funny because uh, we were joking around with um, Raimi and the director waiting for the scene to be shot. And, Sam Raimi, and, yep. yeah. Yeah, Sam Raimi. And Toby's like, all right, man. He's like, you want to you see me? You want to see me do what I do? You want to see how I make my money? I'm like, show me, buddy. And he got up and all, all the scene was was just him reaching his hand out to Kirsten Dunst. So he reaches <laughs> his hand out. And we waited for an hour to shoot this scene, you know, and we were playing – Heads up poker in his trailer waiting. And then cut, done, wrap. And then he comes back and he just laughed. And we both kind of high-fived each other and just walked back to the trailer. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And, and, you know, you spoke about Leo DiCaprio earlier and Tobey Maguire. Um, you know, I want to ask you one final question before you go, and then I'll let you promote your book. But they have something called the Pussy Posse. And uh, apparently it's pretty popular. <laughs> you got Leo, Tobey, there's a bunch of different people in it. Do you know much about that? Well, I do, uh, I, I do tell a story in the book about uh, at one point I just had to ask him, like, dude, just tell me what it was like when it exploded for you. And he said, man, he said, uh, me and Leo used to literally, we, they would just take Star Magazine or whatever, and they would just go through the magazines and they would just mark the girls they wanted, you know, <laughs> to the whole magazine. 